Good job, my lady. We, we certainly say good morning to everyone. We thank God for Mother Ludi and for the cancer ministry. And we certainly again recognize all of the breast cancer survivors and the caregivers. This is personal to me and my family. Um, as you all know, my mother uh, and Lady Swan uh, were diagnosed with breast cancer two years apart. And so I thank God that God saw fit that both of them are still with us today, that God has healed them that they are healed by his grace. Uh, but we also recognize that there may be some that God called home that uh, did not make it through breast cancer. So I just want to have a quick word of prayer uh, for those individuals who today may be difficult or challenging, uh, but we still are honoring those uh, lives that have been lost and God has called home. So let us just pray for just a moment. Father, I come to you now and I just uh, thank you for today and I thank you for this time that we can pause and to reflect and Lord we know that cancer does not discriminate and yet we know that God some you have called on and so today may be difficult as we talk about this subject so God I pray that you would give whoever that is a spirit of peace a spirit of comfort that they will continue on in their own journey and that God, how we pass it on is that we can become more educated. We can do early detections. We can do more things to make sure that our quality of life and those around us may be better. So we just ask that you would bless those who are impacted by today. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We continue to lift up and pray for you as well. Let me uh, take a moment again to thank everybody who has served today um, for our praise team and our band and uh, minister and training Potter uh, for our worship leader and those who are working behind the scenes. Uh, can we say thank you to them and then give them a big round of applause on three? One, two, three. Bob and Tanisha, you can come on up. And so um, we are certainly thank you. Thank you, Sister Tammy. Also working behind the scenes, doing things to make sure that the service goes over well. Uh, we do have uh, a marriage conference that is coming up, and uh, we're very excited about that, and we just want you to know about it. And so Bob and Tanisha are going to tell you about the marriage conference and what you need to do to sign up for it. Good morning, church. We're Bob and Tanisha Darrell, and we're the leaders of the marriage ministry here at Ivy. Um, you know, I was reading last week that the word priority existed in the English language for 500 years before somebody made a plural of that word, priorities. I'll let that kind of sink in for a minute. Um, so what we're asking today is for you to please, if you are married or, or engaged, please make your marriage your priority. And we're encouraging you to join us for the upcoming marriage conference. So yes, October, Saturday, October 29th, it is a one-day marriage conference beyond the veil. Please sign up. Today is the last day for the early bird special, so 1159 Prices will change to $50 per couple. So it is currently $35. Please get your ticket. It's one ticket per couple. And we look forward to seeing you. Thank you. 
Yeah, so every marriage needs some tune-ups every now and again, you know, so it doesn't matter how long you've been married. Certainly for those who've been married a long time, we want you to come. Maybe you can share wisdom and give insight to those who have been married younger years, a younger amount of years to let them know how you have made it. So again, this is open to all married and engaged couples. Now, on the 30th of October, our church will be celebrating our 116th anniversary. So let's give God praise for that. 116 years. And we want to honor our seniors, those seniors who are 80 and above. We want to show them love and care. And so we need you uh, to help us. If you know of a senior um, in our church, ages 80 and above, we need to get their information. There is a uh, card here that you can fill out if you're in the room. If you're not in the room, you can contact the church office or the card is on our website and app. We just need to get a good number and an idea of how we want to recognize all of our seniors on that day. So please make sure uh, that you fill this out. If you know of someone, it may not be you, maybe it be a family member or somebody else, but we need as many of you to let us know so that uh, hopefully they can come. If they can't make it, that'll be fine. Uh, we will make sure that we still recognize them even if they can't be here physically. We don't want to leave anybody out. So please help us in this regard for October the 30th which is our church's 116th anniversary. We want to give them flowers while they can still smell them and show our appreciation for them. Now, let me do my vision casting as I've been doing. Uh, you know, the goal again for our church and the focus of, of what I've been doing uh, is to make sure that you are exercising your fruit and gifts in a ministry context here at Ivy. As I said to you before, when I looked at the three, love, grow, and serve, the one that is lacking the most collectively is serve. I want you to understand the value that you have. You have fruit, you have gifts that can contribute to the overall blessing of our church. And so we want you to find a ministry context. So every Sunday after service, after the sermon, somebody's going to come up and they're going to share with you um, what it is and how it is you can potentially get engaged in the life of our church. And hopefully you may hear something that is appealing to you that at least you would want to check out. So shout out and thanks to those of you who have already stepped up. We've seen many of you that you've already stepped up. You've gotten involved and engaged in ministry and we thank you for that. But the goal is not just to say that I'm in a ministry. That's not really the, the end goal of it. The end goal is that once you get in, hopefully you will connect with some people and that eventually you will begin to do life together. That's what the early church did. They did life together. They broke bread together. They studied together. They did things outside of the walls of the church and the church service. And that's really where church becomes more meaningful and beneficial. It's not just that we come here one time a week and we shout it down and we do what we do and then we leave. That's not really the church that God desired. God desired that if we're going to be a church or a group of people in a community that we do life together. So let me give you an example of this. Uh, this was a picture. Actually, I saw it yesterday. And, and this is a picture that I want to show you. This is uh, three brothers in our church. This is on the left, Deacon Toms. Brother Carlos is in the middle. Brother Charles Martin is on the right. 
what they decided to do yesterday was just go and, and hang out and go fishing. This is doing life. This is an example of doing life where it's not churchy. They're not here in the building. They decided to connect outside the walls of the church, build a relationship with each other. Hopefully enough, they now are going fishing together. I talked to Brother Charles the day he's here. He said the goal is hopefully more next time they do it, more brothers may want to join them and go fishing. This is an example, y'all, what church can be when we get out of the notion that the only time I need to see you is on Sunday. The only time I need to talk to you is on Sunday. That's not Bible. Bible is, is that as we come together and worship together, we pray together and we do life together. So I want to shout out those three brothers. Let's give them a clap off in the praise. I want to shout them out because that's an example. That's one example. That's one example. There are many, but there's one example of how to do life together. Now, got to give a big shout out. He's not here with us today, but I think he might be watching. And so we want to give a shout out to Reverend David Person because today is his 60th birthday. So we want to give him a big, big shout out. Yeah. So happy birthday, Rev. If you're watching, we love you. Uh, we know that you are way out of town and enjoying your birthday. Hope that you have many, many more and you are valued and appreciated here at Ivy. Now, let's everybody stand, please. Get your phones out, too. Get your phones out. This is Pink Sunday. So I want you to do two things in this moment. Number one, I want to make sure you go around and you tell people you love them because we're working on our fruit. And then also I want you to take a selfie with some folks because you got your pink on today. And I want you, uh, if you, if you post it to social media, put in it hashtag Ivy Pink Sunday 2022. Ivy Pink Sunday 2022. All right, go. Find somebody, tell them you love them. Take a selfie with them. Ivy Pink Sunday 2022. If you're watching online, go ahead. And if you got some pink on online, take a picture online in your pajamas, your pink pajamas. Post it, Ivy Pink Sunday 2022. Even if you don't have pink on, take a picture anyway.
All right, give me 15 more seconds. Harry, get that last pick in. Get that last pick in. All right, five seconds, get that last pick in. All right, y'all come back to me. Everybody please stand, we're going for the word, we're going for the word. So one, one other announcement that I did not make and I apologize relative to the marriage conference. As uh, Bob and Tanisha mentioned that the uh, deadline for early bird registration is today and it's $35 per married couple. So not per person, per married couple. That covers the meals, um, all of the things that you'll get. Uh, we're going to have a great time on the 29th. Now, um, Lady Swan and I have decided because we're passionate about family, marriage and family, that if there is a married couple here that legitimately hear what I say legitimately has financial challenge and you can't afford that 35 uh, to go to the conference but you want to go we're going to so uh, we're going to bless three couples today that is interested in going but maybe you don't have the funds to do it so if that's you uh, you can see Lady Swan or I after service is over there's no shame in this uh, we want to bless you we want you to be able to come and receive. And so if that's you, see Lady Swan or me after service is over, we'll be happy to bless you. We're going to be in two places today. First Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're going to start. Second place is Matthew chapter 17. First Corinthians chapter 12, Matthew chapter 17. In 1 Corinthians 12, I'm starting at verse number 4. It says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the same, by means of the same spirit. Verse 9. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. We'll stop there. You may be seated. Keep your Bible open. Go to Matthew chapter 17. Starting at verse 14. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly and often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and said, why couldn't we drive it out? 
You replied, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, from, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing, somebody say nothing, will be impossible for you. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. <sighs> Kindly look at your neighbor. I'm only going to ask you this one. Smile at them and say, get up off that thing. The spirit of James Brown is still upon us. Father, if you would now, please let the words of my mouth and even the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. God, you are my strength and my redeemer. Let all of God's people say, amen. Now, as a review, spiritual fruit and spiritual gifts are not the same thing. Although you receive them at the moment of salvation. The spiritual fruit are things that are more like qualities that every believer should possess. There are nine of them. We all should be working on them. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Those nine, no matter what gift you have, are things that we should be working on. The Holy Spirit should be working on. These are our mile markers. This is how you know you're growing in Christ based on the fruit that you are bearing. Can you say that you're more loving, more patient, more at peace, more kind, more gentle? Do you have more self-control? Gifts, on the other hand, are not given to everyone, but they are select gifts that the Holy Spirit has determined that you will use or get. So we have fruit and you have gifts. The fruit should always be constant before you exercise your gift. Because if you're only exercising your gift and you're not exercising your fruit, you may look good, but you're still nasty. And nobody wants to come to church to see somebody blow it up. And then once they leave the stage, you don't even speak to nobody. So fruit has to come before gift. This series that we're dealing with is gifts. And the reason why we're doing this is because I just need you all to understand that many of us, even in church, have accepted the lie. And you know what the lie is that oftentimes even plays out in church? That you have nothing to offer. Somebody told you outside of the walls of the church that you weren't much. Maybe based on your income or your education level or where you live. Somebody told you you weren't much. And you believed it. But yet in the house of God, when you got saved, God put so much in you. Because God believes in you. And God, when he says as far as the east is from the west, that I've separated your sins and I'm not counting your past against you. He's not counting the mistakes of your life. He's not counting the failures like you do. He's not counting how many regrets you have. Second Peter chapter one says that by his divine power, he has given us everything we need to live a life of godliness. That means that God thought enough of you that at the moment of salvation, he did not spare anything. He gave you all of it at the moment of salvation. 
because he believes in you. And as your pastor, I believe in you. And we have to get out this notion that the only people who are being used by God or who can be used by God are the people on the instruments and the people on the stage. You can be used by God. You are of worth and value to the kingdom. You have something to offer. Don't tell me how old you are. Don't tell me your education level. Don't tell me how much money you got because God didn't ask you any of that when you got saved. Tell me, yes, I can be used. Tell me, yes, that in spite of my shortcomings, that God still got grace on my life and can use me to do great things. So I need y'all to understand in this series that the number one reason why we're doing it is because just because you are sitting there doesn't mean that you don't have something to offer. And for so long, people have been used to coming to church and sitting thinking that they don't have nothing to offer. So now you got this mindset, I'm going to just sit and receive. Devil's a liar. Here's the review. You have a spiritual gift. The Greek word for spiritual gift is charisma. That's singular. But in most cases, you have more than one. So the plural form of spiritual gift in the Greek is charismata, M-A-T-A. That means you have more than one. That means that these gifts that God, the Holy Spirit, assigned to you at when you got saved are used in verse Corinthians 12 and 7, it tells us, to benefit others. The very reason why you have these gifts is because God wants to use you to bless others, especially those who are of the household of faith. There's something uniquely special about you that the Holy Spirit put in you for the benefit of me and the benefit of those around you and the benefit of others. That's why we want you to be connected because the more connected you are, the more you can realize you have something to offer. And what you have to offer can be of great blessing and benefit to a ministry, to somebody else, and ultimately to the church. Now, remember what I said to you before. Every believer has at least one. So all of you, if you're saved, genuinely saved, you have charisma. And charisma in the English is where you have the ability to draw people, to inspire people. You ever wonder how come people just keep coming to you? Why does person keep calling me? Because you got charisma. There's something about you that is appealing to others that are pulling them closer to you. And you're thinking that it's you. No, it's the Holy Ghost in you. That's drawing them to you because you have something to offer. So every person has at least one spiritual gift, charisma. But most of us have more than one charismata. Now, as a review... Uh, here are the gifts. Let me, let me just show you the gifts real quick. Now, most of the time in church, one of the challenges that we do is that we only focus on a select few of the gifts and we ignore or diminish the rest of them. We only think of the gifts like signs and wonders, the great things and all of the, all of the big manifestations of God as if those are the only gifts that are offered 
And then therefore, if I don't have those, then it must be something wrong with me. Now, ain't nothing wrong with you. It's the fact that we have to value and appreciate all gifts. If you look up on the screen here, you see teaching, you see faith, service, giving, exhortation, mercy, leadership, message of knowledge and message of wisdom. We did those last week and prophecy. Those are just 10. Here are the rest. These are the ones, 11 through 15, the most of the time when you think of church, these are the ones that we tend to think of more often. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, discernment and miracles and healing. We most of the time think of spiritual gifts in just those contexts. But if you look at verse number 16, it says helping. That's a gift too. Every ministry in this church need help. So then why do we get caught up just in tongues? Apostleship, evangelism, pastor, administration. We're going to get to that one too. Every ministry in this church needs somebody that has the gift of administration. So why do we just get caught up in miracles and healing? What I'm trying to tell you is your gift might not be one of the ones that most of the time the church puts out in the front, but that doesn't mean that you aren't significant. And it doesn't mean that your gift isn't important. So what we did was we looked at 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 4, Paul says there are different kinds of gift, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of uh, works, but the same Christ. And the different kinds of service, but the same God. What we looked at last week was verse number eight, and Paul lists two of the gifts in verse number eight. The first one was the message of knowledge. Well, what is the message of knowledge as a gift? It is you have the ability to help somebody understand or connect the dots when it comes to scripture. That some people, when they read it, they just don't understand it. But somehow, some way, you have the ability to help people connect the dots so that they can see how scriptures line up. That's your unique ability. Then there's the message of wisdom. This is so vitally important. The message of wisdom are people who know how to walk our faith out. It is not just that you know scripture, because even the Bible says that the devil knows scripture. But the difference is, is that you have the ability to not only know it, but you can show people how to walk it out. You have the ability to live out the scriptures because that's what we really need in this day and time. Anybody can read the Bible intellectually, but we need people to show others how what I am reading is being manifest, manifested in my walk, in my day-to-day -day life. How is the word reacting and I'm applying it to my everyday context? Wisdom. And some of y'all got that because y'all been in church a long time and some of y'all are seasoned enough that y'all can pull a young saint to the side and tell him how to walk this thing out. We need that. And you got that. And you need to get up off that thing. So then we get into today. And today, verse 9 in 1 Corinthians 12, there are two more spiritual gifts. Paul says in verse number 9, to another, 
there is faith. Now, the Greek word faith is pistis. It simply means to have complete trust and reliance in something or someone. That's, that's basically all it is. Complete faith or trust in something or someone. Now, let me just mess with y'all a little bit. You do realize you have sometimes more faith in objects than you do God. How do I know that? Because I did not see a single person today when they walked in here to sit down on the seat you in. Nobody looked under the seat to check to see if the screws were still in place. You had complete confidence and trust that that object could hold your weight. And you didn't even think twice about it. And my question is, if you can believe in an object that can hold your weight, can you believe in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Can you believe that God still wants to do something great in your life and in your family's life? Can you believe that God wants to do something great in this church? You can believe in a seat, but you can't believe in the King of Glory? When do we get to the point as children of God that I have complete faith, complete trust and reliance on the Lord my God, the maker of heaven and earth and the one who made me, who knows me and knows all about me, who has a path for my life, who has a destination for what he wants to do in my life. If we can have confidence in a seat, we be able to have confidence in God. But here's where it gets tricky, y'all, when it comes to faith, because there are levels to faith. There are levels to it. So, so the first level of faith is what we call saving faith. Okay? So Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For we have been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves. It is a gift from God, lest no man should boast. So we have enough faith to believe that Jesus saved us. That's what we celebrated here today, the Lord's Supper. And remembering that he died for our sins and that we put our trust in him, that he died in our place. So most of us have enough faith to believe that Jesus saved us. The next level is the faith that requires us to live from day to day. Where I know that sometimes in life things ain't going to always work out the way I hope, but I still trust God. Sometimes I pray that things go one way, they end up another way. I get disappointed, I get hurt, I get something happens in my life that it didn't go my way, but I'm still Romans 8.28, for I know that all things will still work together for the good, for them who love the Lord and for them who are called according to his purpose. So we still have that kind of faith that even though things don't go right after I'm saved, God's still going to work it out. Do I have any people that's got faith like that? It hurts, but he going to work it out. I don't know how he going to do it, but he going to work it out. I, I know that things ain't right right now, but give me two weeks. I know God's going to work it out. I feel a pause here just for a moment. Who got that kind of faith? I need two or three people that just want to give God praise and say, I'm with you at that level. 
I know it ain't right right now. I know things ain't going well right now, but I believe that he going to work it out. Whew. Yes, Lord, I believe it. I believe it. So let me help y'all with this. So most people, when they come to church, have the first two levels of faith. I believe that he can save. I believe he can work it out. But this third level is the gift of faith that goes deeper than the day-to-day faith. This, this faith is an absolute trust. Are y'all ready for this? That God can do the miraculous. This is the kind of trust that believes whatever is in front of me. I got no doubt in my mind that God will make a way for me. Hey, Lord have mercy. I feel like I'm going to lose it here. Um, but Minister Underwood, most people don't have this level of faith. Let me tell you why. You remember the story uh, where the man comes to Jesus for his daughter and Jesus says, do you believe that I can heal my, your daughter? He said, Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. I believe I know who you are. I believe I know what you can do, but sometimes I just struggle if you can do the miraculous. And if God ain't in the miraculous business, and if we don't believe that he's in the miraculous business, then why are we here? Because my Bible tells me that my God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I ask or think according to the power that is already working in me. So, but, but for most of us, we don't have this level. So we believe God just enough that he'll take care of my day to day. But do you believe him for the cancer? Do you believe him for that tumor? Do you believe him that he can do whatever he says he can do? That's a different level. And everybody ain't got that. But we should strive for it. Because 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 says we should eagerly desire spiritual gifts. So if you don't have this kind of level of faith, you should pray for it. Lord, don't let me be scared. Lord, don't let me doubt you. It ain't looking good right now. But I've seen you do miracles before. And I ain't got no doubt if you did it before. You can do it again. This is the kind of faith that I'm praying for now. So, so that's, that's faith, verse 9. Faith as a gift is when you trust God for the miraculous. Then there is, in verse 9, he said, and another, the gifts of healing. And I thought, Lady Swan, for a moment, why would God put faith and healing in the same? Why would Paul put faith and healing together? And it became obvious to me as I studied for this sermon 
that God can move regardless, but he's more inclined to move on the basis of our faith. Now, God is sovereign. Y'all hear me on this. God ultimately, to choose, ultimately decides how he's going to heal. However, if we don't bring some faith to the table, then that means we're asking God to bring it all to the table. The word healing in verse number nine is yama, I-A-M-A, but it's pronounced yama. And it means to cause someone to be well again. Now, I need you all to understand something. There's, there's, when you study, I told you you got to read it, the Bible slow because it says in verse number nine, it is the gifts of healing, plural. So understand that the only healing that takes place is from God. So if I lay hands on you and you are healed, Swan did not heal you. God used Swan as a conduit to heal. There cannot be any healing in of myself, but I can be used as an agent, as a pass-through for God to use me to heal. Now watch this. Y'all ready? See, most of y'all done checked out when it comes to gifts of healing because most of the time when we think of gifts of healing in the church, we think of people coming to the altar paralyzed and, and all this kind of stuff, wheelchairs, and, and, and you touch them and all of a sudden they're getting up out the wheelchair. And most of y'all don't even believe that no way. But let me help y'all understand because when he said gifts of healing, that means, are y'all ready for this? Healing comes in different forms. Do you understand that if somebody came in with a headache and you were able to put a smile on their face and that headache went away? That's a form of healing. So many times we are caught up in the healing as in it's complete when guess what? Healing could be sometimes for the moment. And that doesn't mean that sickness can't come later. So I don't want you to be shortchanged into thinking, no, you might not be able to help somebody in a wheelchair to walk. But there are some people who came in who were sick or upset or bothered by some stuff in their life. And you walked in and they saw you and you had the ability to make them laugh, to make them smile, to make them feel better. And now they walk out of here different than how they came in. That's a gift of healing. Sometimes the healing is just you need to put your arm around somebody. And walk with them and say, baby, what's going on? You got these migraines again? Come on, we're going to go over here in the corner and we're going to pray and, and see what God's going to do. I'm trying to convince y'all to get out of the notion that the only time that gifts are being used is up here. 
What I'm trying to get you to understand is that you have the ability to help people heal in different ways as well because healing comes in different forms. Now, this is the one I'm going to mess with y'all with. Y'all ain't going to like this one. Uh, you do realize that saved doctors are a gift of healing. You do realize that saved counselors, psychologists, are gifts of healing. So for y'all who say, I don't want to go to no doctor, no shrink, I don't want nobody to mess with my mind, but yet you've been praying to God to help your mind. What you think? You think God just going to jump out the sky and come touch you on the brain? Sometimes God sends people to you that have the gift to be able to pray for you and administer some medicine that's going to help you. All right, so I'm done with 1 Corinthians 12. I want to show you how faith and healing are going to come together. If y'all ready, somebody say, let's go. Now, understand the context in Matthew chapter 17. Spiritual gifts have not come yet because Jesus is still here. However, I firmly believe that this story is an example or a foreshadowing of what Jesus expects to come once he leaves. Y'all with me? Here we go. Verse 14 and 15, it says that Jesus and the disciples are going into a crowd. Verse 14. And as they go into a crowd, verse number 15, it says that out of nowhere, here comes a man. Man doesn't have a name. We don't know nothing about the man other than it says in verse 15 that the man kneels down in front of Jesus. As he kneels down, he says, Lord, have mercy on my child. Because my child has three issues that they're dealing with. Number one, the child has seizures. Number two, the child is suffering greatly. Number three, the child is falling down. Sometimes into the fire, sometimes into the water. Notice, the man did not come from himself. He came because he needed to see his child healed. Verse 16 is the key to the text of why I believe it's a foreshadowing of what Jesus expected to come later. Because in verse 16, Minister Underwood, it says that the man told Jesus, before I came to you, I went to your disciples first, thinking that they could heal my son, but they couldn't. They couldn't heal him. And so he now finds Jesus. Jesus, y'all, I got to tell you, when he heard the man say this, Jesus is hot as fish grease. See, I know y'all think of him as loving and kind and, and, and also forgiving. Jesus is hot as fish grease right now. Why is he so upset? He's upset for three reasons. 
Number one, in Matthew chapter 10, verse one, Jesus gave the disciples there authority over unpure spirits and sickness. Seven chapters before, he already gave them the authority to drive out sickness. So he's hot because I already gave it to you, but you ain't using it. Hmm. Sound like today. Number two, he's upset because he knows his time on earth is short. And he's got to make sure that the disciples understand that you got the power that I got. And then number three, he's upset because he knows they got to get this lesson because he's about to check out. And the future of the church, which is us, because the disciples represent us, the future of the church is, is that people are not going to be able to get to Jesus. They got to come to us. Because Jesus ain't coming back. He's trusting us. So when people are sick, Jesus ain't around now. I brought them, I brought my child to the church. But the church couldn't do nothing. Jesus, hot as fish grease. He says in verse 17, you unbelieving and perverted generation. Why did he call them perverted? Do y'all know what perversion means? Perversion means when you move away from the path that you were assigned. That's perversion. That there is something that you were supposed to do and you decide to veer off and do something else. He called them perverted because he already gave them authority to speak over demonic forces and spirits but they didn't trust it. He said, how long do I got to stay with y'all? How long I got to put up with y'all? Bring the boy to me. They bring the boy to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy. And the Bible says immediately the demon went out. Now watch this. You got to know that once the disciples saw that, 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 the, dad, that the dad told on them. <laughs> that they saw the reaction of Jesus. He was hot. Because the Bible says in verse 19, later that day, you know it was sitting on them all day. It don't give us no indication of how long it was between him healing and him talking to them in private. But I got to believe it was sitting on their minds all day. Man, I, we got to get to Jesus, man. We got to talk to him. So here it is in verse 19, when they're in private, they pull Jesus to the side. Hey, bruh. Earlier today, man. Dad brought his son to heal. Yeah, he, he brought him to us first. We, we tried. We laid hands. We tried. We couldn't do it. But we saw you did it. Bruh, what did we do wrong? 
Jesus didn't hesitate. You know what he said your problem was? You ready for this? The problem wasn't that you couldn't do it. The problem was you didn't believe that you could. The problem was you had enough faith to rock with me and walk with me. But the problem was you couldn't see yourself doing what I'm doing. You had enough faith to come and follow me. But you ain't have enough faith to believe that what I put in you could do the job. He said, the reason why you couldn't heal was because your faith wasn't strong enough. Not because you couldn't heal, you didn't believe. So here's what he says. So I tell you, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, Lord have mercy. You can say to the mountain, it's got to go. And it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. You see, this is where our faith gets off the interstate. Because most of us believe you got enough faith to come to church. Most of us believe you got enough faith to help me in my day to day. But you staring at a mountain. And you don't see how you're going to get around it. And Jesus said, if you rock it with me. And you got the faith that I want you to have. You got faith or the potential faith to move anything that's in front of you. So the man's son got healed because Jesus was there. But watch this, Minister Underwood. Jesus ain't here now. So what happens when a father brings their child to church? In a lot of cases, we look just like the disciples. And could it be that Jesus is up in glory, hot as fish grease? Because he said that the works that I do even greater shall you do because I'm going to the Father. I'm convinced, I'm convinced, and I'm done. I'm going to pray, and then I'm done. I'm, I'm convinced that the greatest challenge of our church is that most people don't believe. To the extent that Jesus wants you to believe. You don't believe you got it in you. 
you don't believe you have the ability. Because for most people who come to church, you're still looking at your current circumstances. You're still looking at your deficiencies. You're still looking at what you lack. You're still looking at that your home life ain't right. You're still looking at that your money ain't right. You're still looking at you trying to present yourself a certain way and look a certain way, but you know behind the scenes and behind the veil, it's jacked up. And God is saying, I don't care about that. How come this man's son couldn't get healed? Healing comes in different forms. Some sicknesses are deeper than others. But if we're going to be about the word, and the Bible says that there is a gift of healing or gifts of healing, then that says to me that God can use people in different ways to make people well again in certain areas. I'm closing with this. You got sickness in your body, stand up or raise your hand. You got sickness in your body. You got sickness in your body. Are we going to be just a church that likes to gather? Or are we going to be about the Father's business? For those who raised your hand, said sickness is in your body. I'm going to pray because I believe. And I believe the Bible says that where two or three are gathered. I just need one more with me. I just need one more with me at least. That's got enough faith to believe. That by the time some people walk out of here today. That they can be healed in Jesus name. See because this is where people get a little nervous in the church. This is where when you was watching it on TV and you saw all this stuff, you looked at it with a skeptical eye. But is he a God of healing or is he not? And are we going to believe his word or are we not? If you got the gift of faith, I just need one more to stand with me. Stand with me if you believe like I do that God can do something in this room for the people who are sick. Let me tell you, this is what James said. If any among you are sick, call upon the elders of the church and pray the prayer of faith. Let the prayer of faith heal the sick. By your heads, please. If you're standing, then that means you have a conviction that God can do the miraculous. So it might not be my prayer, it might be yours. If you're online, if you believe that, you start praying in your room or wherever you are. Every head bow, we're going to turn this last few moments into a prayer for healing. There's some people came in today sick in their body. Hadn't told anybody. Let's believe God. For the miraculous. Father in the name of Jesus we come to you. First of all we come in a state of repentance because 
we see now that you have put so much in us, but yet, like the disciples, somehow, some way, we, we don't always fully believe in your power. We don't always believe that you can use us to be a conduit for the great work that you want to do. Father, we still find ourselves, even as we come into church, distracted and still thinking about the past or situations where we are deficient. And yet you use 12 deficient men to carry the gospel to the ends of the earth. Forgive us, God, for thinking that we got to have it all together before you use us. But that you could use us right now. So God, for those of us who are standing, we believe by faith that you can do the miraculous. We believe by faith you can do the impossible. Our trust and our reliance is greater than a doctor, greater than medicine. It is in you. And there are some that are among us today, some that are watching right now, that's got sickness in their body. Father, we know that sickness does not come from you. It is a part of the strategy of darkness from the kingdom of Satan to, to try to rob us because your word said that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So Father, whatever sickness is in the room, I believe by faith that you got the power to pull it out of them in the name of Jesus. I believe God because your word said it. I believe God that somebody came in with migraines or high blood pressure or diabetes or some other illness. You can heal them, God. In the name of Jesus. Somebody came in with cancer today. Some other debilitating disease. You can heal them, God. In the name of Jesus. It is not a matter of if. And God, we want to be a church that believes in your power. We want to be a church that doesn't just come to sing songs, but we believe that lives can be changed, that you can make us well again. So God, do that now. For the brother or sister who came in today, do that now. For the one who woke up not feeling well today. Do that now for the one who has aches and pains that they got to deal with every day. Do that now for the one who has mental challenge every day. Do that now, God, for the one who uh, hurts all day long. In the name of Jesus. And God, increase our faith as you do it. Move us from saving faith and move us from day-to-day -day faith. But move us, God, to a faith that says you can move mountains. Move these mountains of illness. Move these diseases that are crippling our communities for generations. Move them, God. God, there's some people in here that's got the faith to believe you can do it the atmosphere is right for you to move we trust you 
we believe you. Hmm. No more. No more coming to church sick. Leaving sick. Use us, God. To help somebody else be well again. If it's nothing more than a smile, if it's nothing more than a hug, if it's nothing more than a prayer, if it's just holding their hand, if it's just sitting with them, if it's just leading them to the altar, whatever it is, use us, God. Let us not be so selfish in our own pursuit of your blessings that we ignore the fact that there's somebody next to us that might be worse off than me. Lord, we don't want Ivy to be the testimony that a son, a father brought their son to us, but we didn't trust your power. We don't want you looking down on us with disgust because we just didn't believe you could do it. Raise our faith, God. Demonic spirits of sickness, you got to get out of here. Touch not these children. Enemy, you can't get in here and try to infiltrate. These aren't words to get you emotional. We're standing on your word. Because your word said if any among us are sick, we call on the elders of the church. And we pray the prayer of faith. I need y'all to repeat after me if you're serious about it. Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe that you can do it in your time, in your way for my brother and my sister. And I'm going to give you the glory now for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Now, if you really believe by faith that God can do it, Come on, give God the best praise that you can give him. Thank you, God, for the healing. Thank you, God, for the, when they go back to the doctor, it's a different report. Thank you, God, for the mountain being moved and we can see your glory. Thank you, Lord. We believe God. We believe. Just let the Lord sit for a minute. I know we got to move on. Just let him sit for a minute.
Healing comes in different forms. Some physical, some mental, some emotional, some spiritual. Heal God. Heal God. Deliver us from stress. We come against that anxiety. Deliver us from doubts. It ain't just physical. Deliver us from low self-esteem. Deliver us from always focusing on the past. Deliver us from having such a low view of ourself. Hey. Do it, God. The first place that God always wants to heal is spiritual before he heals physically. There may be somebody in the room that hasn't accepted Christ or somebody that's watching that hasn't accepted Christ. That's always the healing that needs to start. If you're in the room, you haven't accepted Christ or you don't have a church home, or if you're watching, if you're watching, you can text at sign join Ivy to 81010 that's where the healing starts in the spirit form for those of us in the room if you I'm going to ask the intercessors after service to come back up and you just need that prayer time again I'm going to ask our intercessors to come and pray for those of us who need it we believe he can do it may be seated. Sister Angie, come on up, please. Whew. How do I even come behind that? So excuse my ugly face. But I am excited that there's healing in the room. Healing in the room. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus. So I come to you as the executive administrator on Open Marketing. Just thankful. Thankful that we're doing this because so many of us are sitting on our gifts or just think that we have certain things, but God has poured so much into us. So I, I'm sorry. So there's serving opportunities in the office and um, through our marketing ministry. And um, in the office, of course, gift of administration, a gift of helping. Uh, we deal with the congregation. Special events, just like today, we need some men to help us pick up the chairs after service. Building and grounds, trying to keep the building straight. Some of you have gifts and talents in that area. As well as the Family Life Center um, rentals, uh, serving, um, helping. So those are areas in the office. Then from the marketing and media side of things, 
Mr. Bill and I and JP all kind of work together with um, graphic designs, something like what you see up on the screen if you have gifts and talents in that area. Content creators, you know, you make it sound good. We have millennials, Generation X, we have a multi-generational church, so content is very important. So we're looking for that. Voiceovers, those who you saw and who do the um, announcements or videos, got a nice voice, we're looking for you. Uh, social media, um, tagging Ivy, having some insight about our presence, especially now that pastor's talking about um, us being a hybrid type of church. At one time, it was just announcements in the church and that's all that mattered. But now we're going out across the world. Some people won't come back into the church or there'll be new people. So we're looking to make sure that we post, it's trending, all those good things, as well as the website, content is important. We also need to have um, event capturing. Today, Pastor said, uh, do your hashtag for Pink Sunday, posting, putting that in Ivy, lets people know all across the world how we feel about Pink Sunday and what it means to us. So we're looking for a few good men and women to help us in that area in the church, as in the office, as well as with social media and marketing please email marketing at ivybaptistchurch.org, not my personal email at the church, but the marketing one. Um, and I will be happy to put you to work um, and make sure that you have the right spirit. Uh, as Pastor said, the fruit of the spirit, wanna make sure we have that as well. So once again, serving opportunities, Pastor's motto is many hands make light work and there is room for you. Thank you. Thank you, Angie. Let's all stand, please. Let's wave goodbye to our social media family watching the service. We love y'all. Two things before we leave. Intercessors.